I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on. And today, uh, as has been the case for the last several weeks, uh, I need you to turn to two separate passages. The first one is Matthew chapter 5, the passage that we have been repeatedly going back to uh, for the last few weeks, Matthew 5. The second one is Philippians chapter 3. Now, uh, I recognize that these two books may be difficult to find. And so here's what I would encourage you to do if you're not sure how to locate Matthew or Philippians. Uh, If you're in a Bible, a physical Bible, simply open up to the table of contents. Both of these books are located in the big section called the New Testament. Matthew's the first book, so that one will be easy to find. Um, And and a little less than halfway down the list of books of the New Testament, you'll find Philippians. So Matthew 5, Philippians 3. If you're in an app, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible. Uh, You'll find Matthew's about two-thirds of the way down that list, and Philippians is about three quarters of the way down that list. Now, we've been talking for the last several weeks about the Beatitudes. It's the introduction uh, to what's famously called the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount's found in Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. Uh, But the introduction to this is famously called the Beatitudes. It's a series of statements that Jesus makes saying, blessed are, blessed are. And he goes through, and we're gonna read those in just a moment. Uh, But I want to remind you, this is a a critical passage in understanding the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to understand what Jesus is trying to teach us in the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning place to that understanding is to study and understand the Beatitudes, his introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. So take your Bibles and let's turn now to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 3. Matthew 5 verse 3, Jesus says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they also persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, We've been studying this passage. We've gone through, we've been going through each of these beatitude statements um, one at a time. And today uh, we are in verse six. We're in the beatitude that's found in verse six. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Righteousness is a word that's used often in the Bible. It's a very common word. It's used in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But what exactly does righteousness mean? When the Bible uses that word, what's the definition? Well, there's actually kind of a a multifaceted meaning to the word righteousness. First off, it means living rightly in accordance to the way that God tells us to live. And so uh, one aspect of righteousness is that it calls us to live according to the way God has called us to live. 
The second meaning is righteousness also refers to justice. Now, when you read the word righteousness uh, in the Bible, there was always a second meaning. It, it had a dual meaning uh, of seeking justice, making sure that the oppressed were no longer oppressed, making sure that victims were not longer victimized, that those who committed crimes, those who hurt people were seeing justice. Um, and, and then lastly, um, it, it's a, an idea about how God provides that right standing to himself for us. And I know that sounds confusing. So let me give you a few passages that actually explain this idea so that you might, might wrap your mind around it. Uh, if you want to write these down, there's several here. First, Romans 10 verses 3 through 9. I won't read the whole thing, but this passage, Romans 10, 3 through 9, states that righteousness is actually telling others, proclaiming Jesus to the world around us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, someone who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Let me read that again. I've, uh, most of those were pronouns in there, and I inserted God and Jesus in a couple of those places to clarify. But let me read it word for word again uh, this time. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, in Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. Uh, there's a deep meaning there. It's not saying that if we live right, we will be the righteousness of God. It says that in Jesus, we can become the righteousness of God. Uh, Romans 4 verses 13 and 14 says this, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. Now, this particular passage is actually pointing to the very first book of the, the Bible in the Old Testament, Genesis. In Genesis 15, verse 6, uh, it's talking about Abraham and it says this, And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham's righteousness was not in what he did. It wasn't in how he obeyed God, uh, God's laws for his life necessarily, but according to Genesis 15, it's his belief in God. Now that belief resulted in doing what God told him to do, but the belief is the foundation of righteousness, not the things, not the works, not the good deeds that I, Abraham did. Uh, continuing on, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, it says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is the last of the Beatitudes. We're going to come to this, this statement here in a few more weeks because it's the final Beatitude. But notice that we are blessed when we're persecuted because we're righteous. Now, keep in mind, again, that righteousness that this passage is talking about is not 
just talking about living right in accordance to what God tells us to do. It's also living in the, the salvation that Jesus provides. Uh, listen to this next passage, Matthew 6, verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Uh, it's talking about faith. It's talking about believing in God and, and placing God's kingdom and his righteousness as the top priority in our lives. And that's where God's blessing flows from. And this leads me to today's big idea. Uh, I want you to, to listen carefully. I, I'm not gonna give you three bullet points this morning to try and remember when you uh, turn this off. I want you to remember one single statement. And I want you to think on this statement this week. It says, uh, my big idea is this, to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to obsessively long to live for through Jesus. Now, I know that sounds confusing. Let me say it again. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to obsessively long to live for Jesus through Jesus. In other words, we live for Jesus. That's one of the aspects that, that righteousness is. That's one of the definitions. That's one of the facets of righteousness, to live for God. But we can't live for God unless we're living through God. We can't live for Jesus unless we live through Jesus. You see, our righteousness, the Bible describes in one place that our righteousness is like a clothing that Jesus puts on us and that, that we don't have it of ourselves. We, we can't attain it unless Jesus puts that righteousness on us. You see, righteousness is more than living right for Jesus. It's living the, in the righteousness of Jesus. It's both. Uh, and and I, I'm gonna look at a couple of passages uh, that's gonna explain both of those aspects here in just a moment. Uh, but I want you to keep in mind that it's not one or the other, it's both and. It's not just living for Jesus, it's living through Jesus. Our righteousness cannot be attained on our own, we can't do enough good things to be righteous. We can't donate enough money to be righteous. Our righteousness must come through our belief, our faith in Jesus. But what does right living look like? Uh, I, I haven't uh, talked about these passages in a while and I thought this was a good opportunity to talk about what sin is defined as in God's word. So 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 and 10 and then Galatians 5, 19 through 23 gives us a list of the do's and do's not, do nots. You know, and whether we like it or not, part of our living for Jesus is obeying what Jesus has told us to do and not do. Uh, and so I wanna unpack this for just a moment. First Corinthians six, verses nine and 10 says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men or women who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, uh, revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This passage in 1 Corinthians 6 basically gives us a, a list 
of, of the types of lifestyles that, that are not righteous, that are unrighteous. Now, in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 23, it, the words righteous and unrighteous are not used, but they're replaced by the terms uh, flesh and spirit. The works of the flesh are unrighteous and the works of the spirit are righteous. But look how Galatians 5, 19 through 23 defines righteousness and unrighteousness. It says, now the works of the flesh, remember works of the flesh are unrighteousness, the things that God does not want us to do. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so Paul gives us, Paul's the guy who wrote Galatians and by the way, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul gives us a pretty thorough list of the things that are considered unrighteous. But then catch what he says in verse tw verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, now remember, fruit of the Spirit is referring to righteous living. So look at what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Uh, Paul is basically saying, if, if you want to live righteously, if you're looking for a right living, a right life, according to God, you avoid the things that are unrighteous, the works of the flesh or the unrighteous deeds. But if you want to live righteously, then you live in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so if we live in those things, then righteousness will be living in that righteousness. And, and let me be honest, I've taught this many times. If you're embracing the fruit of the Spirit, if you're living the fruit of the Spirit out, there's not a lot of room in your life for unrighteousness. You see, when you're living in love and joy and peace and all the other fruit of the Spirit, when you're living in those there's not a whole lot of room for these sinful acts of unrighteousness. And so, yes, don't do things that are unrighteous. Don't live in that unrighteousness, in that flesh. But I would encourage you also to focus on living righteously as defined by Galatians 5 in the fruit of the Spirit. So that's right living. That's, that's the first aspect. But remember, it's living right for Jesus through Jesus. And so now pick up uh, that pa second passage that I told you to turn to in your Bibles, Philippians chapter three. Turn to that passage. We're gonna begin in verse eight. So Philippians three, starting in verse eight. Uh, again, Paul wrote this book, the, the book of Philippians. He's been unpacking who Jesus is. And in chapter three, verse eight, he says this. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, 
I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Now catch this part. We're in the middle of verse nine or early part of verse nine. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, that comes from obedience or doing the right thing. But that, that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his, of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now I wanna take just a, a minute and I wanna unpack this passage uh, for us. So look at verse eight. Verse eight, he says, indeed I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now, the, the idea here is that Paul uh, doesn't think that anything matters more than Jesus. He counts all of the suffering, he counts all the things that he's lost as trash, that none of it has any value. None of the things he lost is, uh, none of those things are important when compared to his knowing Jesus. Uh, that, that he counts knowing Jesus more important than anything or, or any sacrifice that he could make in his life. He's willing to do anything to know Jesus. He's willing to give anything up for the sake of Jesus. Now look with me in verse nine. And be found in him, be found in Jesus. And here's the key. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You see, your righteousness is not from you. It's not from the things you do. It's not from the money you give. It's not from the time you serve. It's not out of, you can't be righteous because you're a kind or nice person. You're, you can't be righteous because you're generous or you give of your time. Righteousness, true righteousness, can only come from believing in Jesus. You can't be righteous outside of living in and through Jesus. You can, you know, live uh, against all the unrighteousness that was mentioned in 1 Corinthians 6 and Galatians 5. You can avoid all of those things and not live in those. That's still not enough by the biblical definition of righteousness. You must do it through Jesus, in your belief in Jesus. You see that righteousness is from God and it depends on faith. That's how verse nine ends. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Your righteousness is a gift that God gives you. And he gives you that gift when you believe in Jesus as your savior. You, you commit your life to him. And let me pause there for just a moment, I wanna make sure that you understand because maybe you're listening right now and maybe you've never come to a place where you've placed your faith, where you've believed in Jesus. And let me just say this, the reason why we think that believing in Jesus is so important is because every single person ever born on this earth except for Jesus himself 
is a sinner. And a sinner is defined as someone who has disobeyed God's laws, God's directives for our lives. And that sin, that disobedience, anytime that you know the right thing that you should have done and you didn't do it, that's sin. Disobeying God, that's sin. So, so we're all sinners. And because we're all sinners, we're all criminals. We all deserve punishment. Well, the punishment that sin brings into our life is that we are eternally condemned to punishment. But God loves you so much that, that he couldn't leave it at that. He couldn't leave you to suffer eternally. And so he provided a way out from that punishment. He, he provided a way to get out of the consequences, the eternal consequences of our disobedience, of our sin. And that way out is believing that Jesus is the one and only Son of God, that he lived a perfect sinless life, that he died on a cross and that death provided the sacrifice necessary to forgive us of our sins. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. And if you would believe in Jesus, you can be saved from the eternal punishment that your sin has condemned you to. Instead of that eternal punishment, you can have eternal life, eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal happiness with Jesus. And if you've got questions about that, if you wanna know more about what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus, to believe in him, I want you to reach out to us. Uh, actually, in the post of this video, down uh, towards, down, just read through it, there, there's a, a line that says contact us and there's a link. That link will take you to our website, to the contact us page of our website. I want you to go to that contact us page. I want you to fill that form out and reach out to us. When we get that form, we will reach out to you and I would love the opportunity to answer any questions that you may have about believing in Jesus and following Jesus. Uh, and if you're ready to make a decision, I would love to guide you in that and, and help you understand what that looks like and what it means. So please, if, if you don't know Jesus and you've got questions, and you wanna know more, please click that link and go to our website and reach out to us. I would love to talk to you about who Jesus is and how much he loves you, how he loves you so much that he gave his life for you. So reach out to us. Now, look with me now at verse 10, because this applies to those of you who, who don't believe in Jesus, but listen to what it says here, that I may know him, know Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the grave. That's all talking about our eternal life. The resurrection from the grave is our eternal life, our eternal joy, our eternal peace with our Savior. You see, when we have the righteousness from God that depends on faith, then we have eternal life with Him. So here's what I want us to kind of think about if you want to live righteously, you know, if you've ever looked at the Bible, you know that the Bible talks uh, so much about righteousness, but, but it's clear that if you want to live in righteousness, you have to live for Jesus through Jesus. It's not as simple as just 
doing the right thing. It's believing in Jesus and through that belief, living for him. So what in your life do you need to be doing right now? Do you need to take that step and believe in him? Or do you believe in him and do you need his help to live for him through him? Avoiding the acts of unrighteousness and living in the fruit of the spirit. What is God's call in your life? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time that we have where we can talk about righteousness. Lord, we pray that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness. As this beatitude says, for we will be satisfied. Lord, help us to obsessively look to live for you through you. Help us to live our lives in the power, in the guidance that you've provided. And help us in doing that to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your righteousness. We thank you for Jesus. And we ask that this week you would help us to go out and to live for you through you. We thank you, Lord. And we lift all of this in Jesus' name, amen.